Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and has just realised that Palace's next match is against Brighton. I'm Kevin Day, occupier of football's moral high ground, and he is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, Brighton fan. How are you, Kieran? I'm good. Uh, Can I suggest that we record the podcast before the match takes place? I think that's a very good idea, and then never meet again. <laughs> unless, unless natural justice prevails and we win by a four or five nil, obviously. <laughs> well, the way that football is going these days, whatever the result, there'll be lots of goals. Well, I mean, what a Sunday that was! That was um, astonishing. Yes. Uh, and I think my favourite bit of it was the. Yeah, I'm not a massive Villa fan, I have to say, but obviously, who wouldn't enjoy seeing that happen against Liverpool just once in a while? But uh, at the end of it, as you know, Villa were trooping off in disbelief, Ali, Ali looked up, looked at the league table, and she went, there you go, 12th. That's where you always are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's she, she quite right. Makes you realise the, the utter pointlessness of football, really. Just just cut straight to 12th, basically. Now, anyway, uh, Kieran, later in the show, we will hear how Berry AFC's first league game went. Because you remember, Kieran, uh, we had Sani uh, from the Out of Our League podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, who brutally used us to catapult his pod above us in the charts. Um, <laughs> uh, he sent us a report from that game, which we will play later. Uh, uh, producer Guy says, apparently I was all for the idea. Um, I don't recall being all for the idea, but I'm just waiting for a phone call from producer Guy to say, chaps, we've got some money in at last. I've decided to use it to sponsor Berry AFC. Um, he, I think... He, he, Kieran... he spoke to me about that. Yeah? as well? No. Oh, okay. okay. We'll add that to the list. I, 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 all I'm saying is I'll put it out there. I just think producer guy and Berry AFC need to get a room and just get it <laughs> sorted. Um, it's Kieran. It's Newsday, but first, first, Kieran, you naughty boy, you need to put Sheffield Wednesday fans out of their misery. And can I just say to all those Owls fans listening, Kieran didn't tell me what the news was either, so there was no point including me in your angry tweets. He just left you hanging. Said there was some news. Couldn't say whether it's good or bad, but it probably wasn't good. So, and as you know, Kieran, a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans have been metaphorically throwing gravel at your window on Twitter. So, what's it all about? Well, I'm actually going on Radio Sheffield immediately after we record this show. Are but, you uh, sure that's a good idea? <laughs> I've borrowed a tin hat. <laughs> Um, right, the news is, and uh, this news has, has actually now been revealed by uh, by Radio Sheffield that they 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 had the they had they had first call on this, so it was right. only right and proper to, okay. to, tease, to tease that there was news. Yeah, um, Sheffield Wednesday do not own Hillsborough Hillsborough Stadium. That was sold to a company called Sheffield Three um, right. a couple of years ago. Um, and, and that formed the basis for Sheffield Wednesday's 12-point seduction. So that, that didn't really end up particularly well. Um, and everything was fine, except Sheffield 3 have not paid Sheffield Wednesday for the stadium. So they bought, so they own it, but they're, they're, effectively they're buying it on credit. Oh. Again, that's okay. Um, but it now transpires um, that a document was, uh, was sent to the land registry uh, where somebody now appears to have some form of mortgage over Hillsborough Stadium. And uh, 
we, we don't know how much the mortgage is for, that the ground was sold for £60 million. Now, now some people, not me, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a chartered surveyor, some people are saying, well, we don't think it's worth £60 million. So we don't know how much, uh, how much has been lent. We don't know for how long. And I think, for me, the most concerning thing is we don't know at which interest rate. But, but I have seen some football transactions taking place at, at quite high, high interest rates. So I'm, I'm hoping this one will be low for, for all concerned. Um, so then we need to sort of fo- follow the crumb trail of, of data. Um, so the, the company that's organized or the company which has this mortgage source charge, as it's officially called, mm. is a company called New Avenue Projects Limited. Um, and this is controlled by a Mr. Nigel Weiss, uh, with Weiss with a W, not a right. V. Yeah. Um, I, I know a bloke called Nigel the Vice, which was completely different. Yeah, I, um, I, would, I would have been amazed if you hadn't, yeah. <laughs> and um, I know Rachel, you... I know Rachel Vice. We're going to play that game. Oh right! Oh well, you know everybody in showbiz. <laughs> this, this is my big fear. If I go and mention somebody in showbiz who's a hero of mine, you've inevitably <laughs> met them, and then after the show, you, you tell me a story about them, and it, and it just destroys my hero worship. So well, I, only, I, I, only only some of them. <laughs> Um, so if, if you go and Google Nigel Vice and football, the first thing that comes up is that he was uh, he, he's a solicitor, which is fine, um, and he was involved in a legal case involving the former uh, Watford football club owner, Lawrence Bassini. And, and the, the accusations that was made at Mr. Vice was that he turned a blind eye to the activities of Mr. Bassini, and, and yeah, he wasn't on trial, so it, was, you know, it, it could have been just part of the pantomime that is the court. Um, Lawrence Bassini ended up being banned from football for, for three years, mm. um, and I, I think it's fair to say that, that when we get round to our uh, Roman special, he'll, he'll, he'll be putting in an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it won't, won't be the Christmas number one, but he, <laughs> you know, it'll, it'll certainly be close to the top of the charts yeah. uh, in terms of his behaviour. So he. He, he was claiming that he was going to take over uh, Bolton, which I don't think would have been good news for the club. He's also been photographed with people from Charlton who were previously owning the club. So mm. he's one of these guys that uh, is uh, is around football. Um, so so that, that was the issue. So yeah, I, I can't say it, it's bad news or good news because simply that, that there's no information coming out. And, and I think a bit part of the problem is that there's no comments from the club that they've been asked questions from from uh, print journalists they've been asked uh, questions from radio journalists mm-hmm. and they've just turned around and said no comment no comment uh, mr vice no comment no comment uh, sheffield wednesday still haven't published their 2019 accounts and we're in october 2020 they're only one of two clubs in the championship to have done that them and derby county both of whom have been up on charges from the efl so yeah it just they're not helping themselves. They could come out, have, have a have a meeting, put all of the the concern that fans have, and, and fans are you know they're, they're right to be concerned. It's it, it's it's the fans' club. You know, fans, yeah, it's, we, we've always said it's the fans that emotionally invest themselves in the club from cradle to grave. Therefore, I think they are entitled to a bit of uh, transparency and, and just people being spread. Um, you know, and, and there's also, and this has never been proven, but twice over the course of the last 12 months, uh, there have been issues by all accounts in relation to wages, either people not getting the, the right amount 
being paid being being sort of shortchanged in terms of wages or they've been delayed. Um, but I, I think I think that's because the spreadsheet that they use at Sheffield Wednesday was the the same one that's been used by the government for uh, <laughs> contact tracing. Um, and therefore, as one or two uh, two bits missing, so that that's where we are with Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it, I'm I'm not. I, I don't think it's great news because you know two years ago Sheffield Wednesday owned the stadium and nobody had a mortgage over it, mm. and now they don't own the stadium themselves, and somebody else has a mortgage over it. So, you know, I've, I've got a mortgage on my property, you've got a mortgage on yours. But yeah, you know, that doesn't cause us sleepless nights. So long as we pay the mortgage on a regular basis, that then everything is fine. But I, I really think the club here has, has scored a bit of an own goal in terms of lack of communication. Uh, and, 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 you know, if, if, you're, if you're up front with people, they, they tend to accept what you say. I'm, I'm confused, Kieran, uh, which won't surprise you. I, I suspect there might be Sheffield Wednesday fans feeling the same way. And I, I know I process information differently to you, but... I, I was under the impression that the well, a that this was a, a done deal and they'd been punished and that was it. But I was under the impression that the whole crux of this was that they had they had sold the stadium to themselves essentially to get around various FFP. So that, was that? Am I wrong in that, or was that that still essentially the case? But just the names are different. No, no, that they they have sold the stadium to this other company called Sheffield Three. The trouble was uh, is that they said that that happened in 2018, right. and the EFL said no, it didn't, um, and, and that was the crux of the argument. So the charges were uh, on which Sheffield Wednesday are appealing, by the way. So yes, you know, it, yes. it could be that the the, the 12 point deduction is reversed. Yes. Um, so the, the EFL, as far as they're concerned, it, they've proven that it took place in between 2018 and 19, and therefore it, it doesn't count for the, the June 2018 account. So so we're still awaiting that particular issue to be resolved. Um, so the ground certainly has been sold. When it was sold, that's another issue. Um, but uh, that, then then to have this mortgage... Now, it could be that you know, the mortgage is only for a few quid, and, and then we all go, oh, well, it was... Is a complete non-issue, right? Okay. If, if the club just said, "Well, it's, you know, it's a three million pound mortgage because we've just gone and signed Kenneth Sahore from from another club, and, and we needed to put a down payment for his loan fee," people go, oh, "Okay, it's fine." Right. Okay. All right. Um, uh, transfer deadline day came and went, um, despite Sky's best efforts and Man United's dire needs. It felt like a fairly muted window, was it? Um. Well. It, it was quiet-ish by Premier League standards. It certainly wasn't a record. But I think what the big reveal was uh, yeah, a, a number of things. First of all, in general, people are only signing players if they're young. There, there was, I think but apart from um, Liverpool's signing of Thiago, uh, he's, he's 29. I think everybody else is sort of 24 or below. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that, that came clear that a lot depended not on the club, but on the club owner. So if you are one of the billionaire boys, uh, if you're owned by Chelsea or Manchester City or Everton or Villa, you know that they've all got yeah. hugely wealthy owners. Um, and there was a big report out. I can't remember. It was either Forbes or Bloomberg came out. It was either today or yesterday, and they said um, the wealth of the world's billionaires has shot up during the pandemic. You know, there, there's been winners and losers uh, as a result of the pandemic, and mm. some of the big winners have been people who already uh, you know, didn't have to worry about when it, you know, when it came to buying their round. So they, 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 were, they were quite independently wealthy. 
Um, so if your billionaire owned, then Roman Abramovich, he just underwrites the checks. The same with, same at City, the same at Everton. If you were a recently promoted club, again, you tended to spend a lot of money. And the reason for that is because you, you've got far more money than you used to have. Yeah. So therefore, you, you, even despite the pandemic. So Villa, Leeds, Sheffield United, that's fine. Then when we come to, and I've grouped these five together, Brighton, Palace, Burnley, Southampton, and West Ham, mm-hmm. their collective net spend was about two million between the five clubs. Now, two million? About two million between the five of them. And I think Palace's was negative and ours was negative. Uh, right. You know, The others, I think Burnley spent a million pounds, Southampton spent a wee bit, West Ham just about spent money. So it was, it, it was pretty close to zero. So, so why is that? It's because those clubs are are being hit by by the pandemic to a much greater extent because they they don't have multi billionaire owners um, mm. and and they've been in the Premier League for a few years. So therefore, it's not a case of replacing Championship players with Premier League players. It's a case of trying to ship Premier League players out and nobody wants them a lot of the time and replacing them with with other players on Premier League wages. So, I, I think that that's the position. Overall, 1.25 billion spent uh, gross by the Premier League, and then when you compare that to the rest of Europe, we see that the Premier League is miles ahead. You know, almost twice that of uh, Italy, three times that of France and Spain, uh, four times that of Germany, um, and part of that is to do, do with the fact that we, we've got these high net worth owners in the Premier League, and that doesn't tend to be the case on continental Europe. Um, and also in Europe, that they don't have the TV deals that, that we have here, which which are still supporting the market. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to see how Palace's was, was so low because we, we didn't get rid of anybody, really, and we spent 20 million quid on Eze. So surely ours is a sort of plus 18 million spend, isn't it, rather than a... Well, remember, you, you sold Saul off. Oh, of course we did. I completely forgot. <laughs> how could I forget him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair fair enough. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's also, do you know what's interesting, Kieran, as well? Is it seemed to me, uh, I'm going to get in trouble from Palace fans for for getting sold off, but I wasn't, I'm definitely not the only one. Um, (laughs) Well, the manager um, forgot him as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, and I'm still not convinced we're actually getting any money out of that. So it seemed to me that most clubs, Palace included, which is miraculous for us, did their business very early on in the window and we didn't see that frantic scramble that we normally see and that Sky loves to promote so well. Is that, is that my mind playing tricks or is, would there be a reason for clubs getting things done early, football reason rather than financial? Well, well, well there's a football reason because the season started in September. You know, mm. Remember for the last couple of years, the, the transfer window was closed before the start of the season. So, so therefore, if you think about it, yes, instead cool. of having to worry about 38 league matches, in over 10 months, you're thinking about 35 matches, potentially over, over eight months. So you want to get the players in before the start of the season. Mm. Uh, because, and and that's, that's not coinciding with the closure of the window. Normally, you had to have the players signed, and then, of course, they've been in position to play. Now, you, wanted the, you want the players before the start of the first match, which was mm. three weeks ago. Right, okay. Well, the uh, still with the Premier League, the saga of the Premier League EFL bailout rumbles on. The Premier League are apparently, or reportedly, only offering fifty million pounds to the EFL, and the EFL say they need two hundred and fifty. Yes. Now, 
I, I do have some sympathy for all parties here. Um, I think that the Premier League, they're not totally insensitive. Um, and they're aware of the issues that are taking place in League One and League Two, how mm. those clubs uh, have a disproportionate amount or a much higher proportionate amount of their total revenue coming from match day. Um, yeah, and it's, it's normally you know, if you, one to two million pounds per club. Yeah. So if that 50 million pounds um, went to Leagues One and Two, that, that wouldn't cure everything, but I think it would certainly give those lower league clubs a lifeline. Yeah. The beef that the Premier League clubs have, and I think Steve Parrish alluded to this yes. in his article at the weekend, was that why should we help out those clubs? Because um, there was an article in one of the newspapers, the collective wealth of the 24 club owners in the championship is £32 billion. Pounds. Wow. So why why help out a billionaire? Yeah. yeah can somebody give me a good... So yeah, you know, a, a good justification of that, and, and that's that's a bit frustrating because remember we had Gary Sweet from Luton on on the show a few yeah. months ago, and and Gary, thoroughly good guy, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he ticks all of our boxes, um, you know, but he, he'll be honest, he's, he's not he's not contributing much to that thirty two billion. He's, he's he's been very successful, but he's he's uh, he's in you know, he's in eight figures rather than ten. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Therefore, it, it's causing an issue. So, that, so the Premier League saying, "Well, wh- why should we help you out? Um, you've you've spent the last decade living beyond your means. You're all being funded by billionaires, or a significant number of the proportion of you being funded by billionaires. We've got our own problems. You go and sort out yours." So, so that appears to be the case. And on the back of that, and again, this is newspaper talk, so we don't know how true it is. Um, the owners of uh, the clubs in the Championship. Uh, I think I think the technical term is seeing their ass, and um, they're, they're, they've been holding secret meetings. But every whole yeah, that's that's what's called a WhatsApp chat. Yeah. You know, so you know, yeah, and you, yeah, we, we have we have price of football WhatsApp chat meetings where where all the stories that we can't put on the show go through. <laughs> um, but that's that's not a secret meeting as such. And I think they are trying. Well, yeah, one one of the considerations. Is do they break away from the prep, from the EFL, sign up with their own TV deal, and effectively try to go solo um, and keep as much money as they can for themselves on the back of this? Which which clearly would be bad news, bad news for mm. leagues one and two. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Well, also, have you signed? Have you seen the the Let's Fan In uh, petition? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, 164,000 signatures. Uh, the, the one good thing we can say is at least the, the Premier League, the EFL uh, and the Football Supporters Association, who are the good guys anyway, um, they all seem to have come together uh, with, with, a, you know, with a view to trying to persuade the government to uh, you know, return to some form of matches taking place before crowds. It doesn't have to be across the whole country. You know, there's no reason why you can't have local yeah. uh, re- relaxation. Um, because if, if the government is saying to football, get your house in order, and the government is responsible for Project Restart and then you turning on Project Restart, it's contributing to the problem. Yeah, and also, as Steve Parrish pointed out in that article, you had this ludicrous nonsense that Chelsea fans and Palace fans couldn't go to Stamford Bridge on Saturday, but they could go to cinemas and watch it in there um, together, uh, two metres away from each other. And Steve, I, 
I got a mixed response because I didn't criticise Steve Parrish enough, apparently, according to some fans. Now, I think it's unfortunate that Steve Parrish didn't specify that he was talking about the championship, that he actually said, as I know, which I know to be true, that the EFL does need help. But I mean, he, he kind of makes a fair point business-wise when he says that we're giving money to, if we give money to championship teams, some of whom are more wealthy than we are, they're using that to try and take our place in the Premier League. So it's there is some nuance required for this. The Premier League, though, may have some more money available because they're suing the Chinese broadcaster that defaulted on its TV deal. I presume that was inevitable, Kieran, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I think that they, they had to do this to, A, because we're talking about £175 million. So, you know, it's a huge amount of money. This is this is for a company called PPTV. It yeah. signed a three-year deal with the Premier League. It was one year into the deal last season, and then the cheque stopped arriving. Um, so the, the Premier League's trying to recoup that. Uh, it, it has signed a, a short-term TV deal, which is worth... It's estimated somewhere between twenty to twenty-five million. So, so the cl- each club in the Premier League is going to be down seven to eight million. Um, but if it hadn't sued PPTV, then you could potentially see other broadcasters say, "Well, you know, perhaps we've over- overpaid as well." And what happens yeah. if we don't pay our next instalments? So, I think the Premier League has to um, uh, send out a signal to its broadcast partners. You know, we've. Uh, we, we, we are providing you with product. We, we, are, we are keeping our sides of, of the contractual obligations um, and, and therefore we expect you to pay accordingly. Uh, you know, PPT's TV's uh, response apparently was they were blaming COVID um, and they were saying that uh, the non-payment wasn't a breach of contract. It was, it was only a breach of, a con- of the contract in a specific and limited way. Ah, yes, the way the uh, government broke the EU agreement in a specific and limited way. That's a, that's a good way out of things, isn't it? I, I'm going to try that in an argument with Ali. He says, yeah, yeah I, I did do the wrong thing, but only in a specific <laughs> and limited way. I did stack the, the, <laughs> the dishwasher wrongly, but only in a specific oh, and limited way. That's serious. Seriously, mate. She's like a John Richardson routine with that dishwasher. It's, uh, <laughs> Uh, sorry, that's all sounded very 1970s there. Uh, still in the High Court, Kieran, there was a judgment this week which could have a big effect on clubs trying to claim insurance because of coronavirus. Um, yes, I mean, you know, it, this is a, this, this, this is I got from, I think, from Insurance Weekly, the, the well-known blog uh, to which uh, I, I do subscribe. Do, do you? I, I think I may have let it run out accidentally yeah, but, yeah. Oh, right. but I st- my, my business furniture monthly I've still got that going on, so that's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't afford both in these terrible times of crisis period. absolutely <laughs> um, so yeah business interruption insurance uh, it is where you're unable to trade as a result of something now many clubs by all accounts and, and this this information was actually given to me by a club owner who wants to remain anonymous mm. so he actually hooked up and said yeah, are you aware of this taking place um, and, and this actually could be really good news because many football clubs have this type of insurance. What the insurance companies have been doing to say, oh, COVID-19, act of God, yeah. therefore not covered by the small print, we're not going to pay out. Now, the Financial Conduct Authority um, took a test case and has found in favour of the claimant. Oh, okay. So if, therefore... Uh, football clubs do have this type of insurance. I, I would, you know, I, I would advise them to to resubmit their claim. Um, the uh, the insurance companies, of course, are going to 
get find some small small print to try to push back on this. But it's certainly uh, a step in the right direction, not just for football. I think for all businesses. Yeah, we all know that insurance companies why why they're successful. They're successful because they don't pay out. Um, so this this uh, this is a potential opportunity for clubs to recoup some of the losses which they've undertaken and they took out that insurance in good faith. Mm. Surely the insurers should pay out in good faith. So so this could help those clubs that have done so uh, at a time when, when I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that uh, paying the October and the November wage bills could be a step too far for mm. those clubs in League 1 and 2. <clears throat> well, well the, the problem is for the clubs in League 1 and 2 is the same as it is with many theatres because ostensibly... This is very good news for, for my industry as well, the theatre and comedy industry, except the catch-22 is that League One, League Two clubs and many theatres couldn't afford the level of insurance cover that, that pays out on this, that the business interruption insurance is actually much higher than normal, you know, closing for three days because there's a fire. You know, they can't afford the sort of, like, the, the sort of insurance premiums that cover six months. So a lot of them would benefit if they could have afforded it in the first place, unfortunately. Yep, that that's and, and you you can see it from the business's point of view when you when when you, you when you're struggling to keep your your head above water, it, it looks like a cost which which oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's yes, happened for it, a century, of course. And, and then you, you take a view, but but by all accounts, some clubs do have it. So you know, you know, hats off to them if they get some money out of this. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, now this next story, Kieran, in, in, it's in the nature of football that it's not the biggest story, but it's probably garnered the most headlines as well. Um, Arsenal's decision to let their mascot of 27 years, Gunnosaurus, go has caused a big reaction, um, as has Meza Ozil's um, offer to pay to bring him back. Yes, I mean, I mean Gunnosaurus, by all accounts, the uh, the costume has been kept by the club, I believe, and they believe he, and he, they are claiming he's going to come back. But this actually relates to the, the guy who has performed the role of Gunnosaurus for the last 27 years and uh, you know, getting to one of those costumes, it can't be easy. It's a guy called Jerry Kwai. Um, he's actually, a, he works in the supporters' liaison office, and he was one of the 55 people that were made redundant mm. by Arsenal Football Club two days after they won the FA Cup final and therefore qualified for the Europa League, which is going to generate them up to 30 to £40 million pounds this year. Um, so he, he was made redundant um that he, he used to do this role on match days and also you know showing people around the kids around the museum and yeah just all the sort of the good things um Mr. Ozil who who you know as, as you know I, I quite like stirring things um but he he's he's a he, he can I doff my cap to Mr. Ozil uh he has now offered to to pay the wages of Jerry Kwai uh whilst he remains an Arsenal player and, he, and his contract's goes for the remainder of the season. People are pointing out that Mesut Ozil, he's, he's paid £18 million a year. Um, but, you know, my view, it, it's, if he saves one job, it's better than saving no jobs. And, you know, for, for whatever people's opinion, he is actually a, a very generous guy in terms of his support for, for a number of causes. So um, we'll, we'll wait to see. This, this, this is, a, this is an, uh, an office spat which is taking place uh, between Ozil and Arsenal, which is taking now place in the national newspapers. Yeah, I, I feel for Mesut Ozil. I mean, some players just can't do right for doing wrong. You know, they they stick their head above the parapet. They make a generous gesture, and some people go, "That's a nice thing to do." Other people go, 
he can afford to buy the club. He, you know, it's just like he, they, they, whatever they do, they, they're going to get down from both sides. The Arsenal Museum, by the way, I would recommend any football fan out there. I don't care who you support. The Arsenal Museum is brilliant. I, I did a, a match today too. That's really, really fascinating museum. Um, and also Gunnosaurus. I have, I have to say, I've got. A, I think it's all right to have a soft spot for another club's mascot, as long as you haven't got a soft spot yeah. for another club. But. I, I quite like Gunnosaurus because your mention of doffing my cap reminded me. It's one of my favourite football moments. It was um, an ex-Arsenal player uh, passed away or sadly passed away, as Sky always insists that we say, so there's a difference. Um, and they had a minute's silence for the ex-Arsenal player and the camera panned very solemnly along uh, the line of Arsenal players. And there in the middle was Gunnosaurus uh, with his head bowed and... The, the commentator said, well, he, he could at least have taken his cap off. And the co-commentator said, he can't, his arms are too short. Um, <laughs> which, which uh, in the midst in the midst of a very sad moment, I'm afraid I reacted the, the way you reacted. Um, uh, this next story, Kieran, um, um, we have a few more stories to go before we uh, get back to our loving with Berry AFC. Uh, I think this story is... A small story, but that will have some significance in the future because uh, Manchester United sold more shirts with the names of Women's World Cup winner Tobin Heath and Kristen Press than any player in the new in the men's squad after their signing was announced. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's it's really good for the WSL mm. uh, because it had to uh, you know it had to stop playing last season. Effectively, the same as uh, what. what what we saw happening in Leagues One and League Two didn't have the funds to carry on. I, I think there were there were genuine fears that you know all the momentum in the women's game had had evaporated, and, and then this news comes out. Uh, I mean, we, we are seeing an influx of American players uh, from from the, the USNWT to the, the WSL. Um, these are two high pro, pro high profile players. Um, I, I think it's also. Uh, Perhaps it's it's a testament to what's been happening to Manchester United on and off the field on the men's side of things. Mm. But uh, the, these two players, uh, Tobin Heath and Christian Press, have outsold Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and uh, uh, Danny Debeek, or is, is, that, is that right? The new other guy that signed. Um, you're, the, so, you're the Dutch expert. <laughs> I, I am. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, but also what we're seeing as far as the WSL is concerned, there's been a huge uptick in interest in it from the USA following uh, this, this this arrival of American players, and it looks like they're going to sign a deal with NBC for the rights to the matches. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, that, that's great. And, and what we're also seeing is that I do think that players in the WSL. They are are very good at the way that they they uh, they utilise social media. Yeah, um, they they really do interact with the fan base, and perhaps this is a sign of that starting to pay dividends. This episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion. You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. 
You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Well, this is why I think it's significant, Kieran, and, and this is again, it's purely anecdotal. I, I think I've spoken to a lot of male football fans who love their club and will never stop going to to see the the, the men football play football, but they, they're starting to to see an authenticity. I think is maybe the right word in the women's game that they haven't seen in the men's game for quite some time, and an enjoyment. Like my mate Chirpy, um, which is not an ironic nickname, he is Chirpy. Um, is a Palace fan. His two girls, they play football for one of the Palace's junior teams, but they love going to see the Palace women play. Um, and Chris says it, Chirpy says it's just a more enjoyable experience in a way. It's more relaxed. It's 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 kind of more fun. And I, I think increasingly football fans are catching on to the fact that the women's game is a is very very high quality, but also is more is more accessible. It's it it's cheaper. It's it's friendlier. It's it's more. It's certainly better for for youngsters to go and see because you know even if there's no trouble at a game and it very rarely is, it's still quite intimidating to be walking up the street with twenty five thousand nearly always blokes. And it's it's a different environment. And I think it's a really good sign that Tobin Heath and Kristen Press are selling these shirts. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, it, it's good that Manchester. It, it took them a hell of a long time to to form a women's team, but. Yeah. They do seem to have embraced it. Um, there's genuine competition uh, at the top of that league. You know, you've got you've got Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, now Manchester United as well. Uh, and, and London derbies are you know they're getting decent. Well, they, they they were getting decent crowds last season. I guarantee they get fantastic crowds if they're allowed to attend this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just down the road from Manchester, Macclesfield Town Stadium, the always I've loved the name Moss Rose. Has been put up for sale on Right Move. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, um, it, it was quite emotional seeing it uh, go, go up. Last, it, they started off. I think they were looking for seven hundred and fifty grand. That was very quickly reduced to five hundred. Now I, I've just been on Right Move again, and it now says that the um, the, the property has been removed. Oh. Now that could be because it's been sold, or it could be that the uh, the, the the weight of interest on social media and the comments has meant that the prospective sellers have just decided we, we want to get out of this. So, you know, in, in respect of Macclesfield, it, it, they're not yet dead, but, it, yeah, they are 4-0 down in, in the 93rd minute of a game. Uh, you know, they might still be holding on, but I, but I think we've got to be realistic that... Uh, the, the, the word Macclesfield when it comes to football uh, is going to have to take place through some form of Phoenix club. 
Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it it was sad. It was just so sad seeing it because I've I've been there as as an away fan. I've been there because I, I used to live local to the place. Um, and Mr. Al Cardi, the the owner of whom nothing has been heard since the demise of the club, should hang his head in shame. Yeah, I always find it incredibly poignant when you see photographs of old stadium. But you, you say prospective sellers. Presumably that is Mr. Alcardi is the prospective seller, isn't he? There's nobody else. No, no because I think because the club has uh, been wound up, he will have lost his powers of control oh. of the company. And now it will be the uh, official receiver or the liquidator or somebody of that nature who is responsible for selling the assets of the business. Oh, I see. And... and... Do they take the first bid or the highest bid? What's the process involved there? Then? They they will take the highest bid. You know, every everybody's been sacked, so they, they've got no obligation from from a perspective of trying to preserve jobs. It's all about generating as much money as possible. And presumably, they've got no. I, I don't think I don't know what the word, word is. Moral qualms about who they sell it to or what happens to it afterwards. Do they? They're not selling. They can sell it to Steve Dale if they wanted to. Oh Christ. Um, and not far away from, from Macclesfield as well, the new parent company of Wigan Athletic has been created. Yes, so so we, we were aware that a deal has gone through. Um, the, um, the administrators have been reluctant to name the new owner, but a company called AFC Wigan has been formed. Um, then, sort of again, doing a bit of ferreting around, I did find on one of the business newspapers that the new owner... Uh, is in fact a, a guy called uh, Jose Cristo. He's he's Spanish. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about him is that he is the nephew of a circus performer. Oh, okay. um, or a lion tamer, in fact. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that that adds to the uh, the skill set of people in the in in the EFL. Um, doing a bit more digging in about him, uh, and you know, God bless uh, Google, by the way. Uh, he has previously owned two Spanish clubs, um, Albacete and Castellon, who were, who, which were third division clubs in Spain. He, he probably bought them for a, a wee bit less, but not that much less um, than, than I suspect he's paid for, uh, for, for Wigan. Um, he's not yet passed the owners and directors test, but we're awaiting the results of that. Uh, my, my concern about him, and um, um, this could be certainly misplaced, because I've got no no uh, indication that he's he's a Roman, of course, um, is that looking at his experience at Albuquerque and Castellon, um, I, I describe him as a flipper, a bit like my Russian girlfriend, mm. uh, and. Uh, he, he therefore buys the clubs, runs them for a couple of years, and uh, then sells them. So whether he's in this for the long term uh, is uncertain. And, and the reason why I call used to refer to my um, Russian girlfriend's lip because she, she used to be uh, an Olympic uh, gymnast. Did she really? Yeah. Uh, yeah so she. Oh, no, I can't even bring myself to say it. But that's a that's a that's a new detail to that story. Um, that's very good. I am. Um, I met a lion tamer once. Uh, this is a true story. I asked him what the secret to lion taming was, and he said, "Make sure they're about forty-five years old." Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, basically, so this, this this is not necessarily a bad thing. Though. I mean, if he, you know, we see TV programs where people buy houses, improve them, and then sell them for a profit. So, I mean, if he if he's buying the club, investing in it, and then selling it at a profit, that's not necessarily a bad thing for Wigan fans, is it? No, no, no. If, if, if he can turn the business around and sell it on a profit, yeah, loads of people do that. You know, it, it is, as you say, it's, it's a type of thing you'd normally expect Dion, Dion Dublin to be talking about. <laughs> is, it, is it Holmes under the hammer? 
yes, it is. Yeah, he's got a strange. Yeah, he's he seems to have a strange obsession with stairs as well. Yes, he always seems to mention it's. It's almost like he can't believe there's another way of getting from floor one to floor two. Um, but, well, there but, is. It's called a lift. Yes, that's, that's what I th- you just kind of think that he's he's been brought up somewhere that's only got a lift. It's, um, uh, two more stories before we continue our very AFC uh, loving with a very uh, very upbeat. Re- um, I'm being unfair because it is a lovely upbeat uh, piece of radio. Uh, Birmingham Sports Holdings, the Cayman Island registered Hong Kong Stock Exchange listed parent company of Birmingham City, have published big losses. Yes, so they they lost um, around about thirty eight million pounds in twenty nineteen twenty. Now they they did recoup some of that from player sales. Um, th- this is for this Birmingham Sports Company. Uh, holdings. It, it also owns some property in Cambodia, which it's made some money from. Uh, yeah, that, that, those those are sizable losses, mm. but could have been worse. Um, what what concerned me most of all was the the amount of borrowings they, they shot up hugely to around about forty eight million. Um, and this was pre COVID, and, and they're borrowing at around about eight percent. Um, so yeah, that that's not great. But uh, the the parent of the parent, which is called the Trillion Trophy Company, mm. uh, it said it is confident that it can see out COVID. Uh, so whilst the losses aren't great, uh, if, if it's got the cash to, to let Birmingham survive, and and, and it should do, because remember they sold Jude, Jude Bellingham yeah, since those accounts were announced. So the, the club should be in, in an okay position. Uh, you know, assuming we get rid of this cursed disease in, let's say, in the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, and Birmingham are in good company because Barcelona have also published their latest accounts. Um, it says here in brackets, Guy has put, not pretty. No, no. Uh, huge losses at Barcelona, 100 million. Uh, some of the things was concerning. The revenue was down quite a bit, which you'd expect, you know, given the size of the stadium. But there was mention in the accounts that some commercial deals had been cancelled. Uh, you know, sponsors are pulling out. Now, if sponsors are pulling out of their contracts with a club like Barcelona, yeah, yeah. then the clubs who are in League One and League Two, you can imagine what's happening to them. Uh, you know, Bar- Barcelona's net debt has doubled to 488 million euros. Wow. But it's still committed to, to a ground expansion. It's going to spend you know, the, the thick end of a billion euros um, trying to expand the, expand the ground. Um, there's also been stuff that it's trying to force through pay cuts, which I think you can do under certain elements of Spanish law. Um, so this could be a way of getting rid of some of those players who uh, the club doesn't want to keep. Clearly, Lionel Messi is not among that. Yeah. Um, but they also understand that the club president... Uh, he's been coming in for a lot of stick, and I think that, that they've now gone through the threshold at which a no confidence vote can take place. Mm. So I think things could be quite rocky there. I mean, Barcelona. We, we, we were talking earlier about the, how little money had been spent in Spain, um, and, and Barcelona, I think, only signed one player uh, this, this summer because they they don't have the money to do so, and I think they've been trying to sign some others, and uh, yeah, they, they've simply had have been rejected because they don't have the finances. Mm. Well, we have a lot of listeners in Spain. We've got a lot of listeners all around the world. So if any of them can shed more light on Spanish law, business law, football law, we're always 
willing to um, be advised, um, which is a, a note in general, I have to say. I mean, if we if we mention a, a club in your country and you think that we we need more details or we've got something wrong, by all means, uh, please tell us. We're always uh, keen to learn. Um, now, Kieran, as we know, Berry AFC played their first ever league game at the weekend and Sani Rudravajala, one of the hosts of BBC Sounds podcast, Out of Our League, was there. Um, he's a good friend of the show, following his interview with us a couple of weeks ago. And Sonny, Sonny, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, Sonny, uh, sent us back this report. Hello, Kevin Kieran and Guy on base. It's Sonny here, your North of England correspondent. And I am at Radcliffe FC. And if you can hear the wind uh, and feel the rain, but it is pretty grim. Uh, but we're here for Berry AFC's first ever league game. It's against a team called Steeton, which I've never heard of, but uh, Google Maps tell me they are uh, just north of Bradford. Uh, but the pitch is looking immaculate. We're only allowed 300 fans here, but I'm going to try and get around the ground and uh, give you a bit of a flavour of what's going on today. Oh, bloody hell. I'm soaking now. Could you introduce yourself for us first off? Yeah, Chris Murray, Berry AFC chairman. So, Chris, first game... It's pissing it down. Is this what you envisaged? No, no. Well, I envisaged uh, an August, uh, an August start, <laughs> glorious sunshine, and two and a half thousand people in the ground. But unfortunately, the uh, the way of the world at the moment means that it's uh, start of October and uh, it's raining, and it's only three hundred people on the ground. What What's the mission for a Berry AFC this year? Um, hopefully to get promoted and to just basically to bring smiles back to the faces of people that have been deprived of football for 518 days and thinking about finance can AFC survive with the amount of fans that are here can football survive um, we we would we'd be able to survive because we've got a very good membership base that gets behind everything that we're trying to do um, we, obviously it's not ideal as only having as only having 300 people in um, but it's one of those things where you know you have to you have to go with the hand that you dealt, and it's just unfortunate that you know we can't have the place rocking with everybody in. And I know we you know we want to be efficient with our money, but are you still being the kit man? Are you still washing the kits? I am still the kit man. Uh, my dad played the role of assistant kit man this week, um, whilst he, he had to wash the away kit so that we could have it ready for the squad photo for this for this week because I had a chance to get it to the laundrette. I mean, I'm not sure this is sustainable, Chris. You can't be washing the kit every week. No, we've got we've got a we've, we've got a laundrette that sponsors us. Um, that love do, that, that, love that. We've got an official laundrette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the lad who but the, the lad who's laundrette is, I've not been able to get in touch with him all week. Um, so yeah, so I just said to my I just said to my dad, do us a favour. Do you fancy just uh, do you fancy just washing this for us? This is the glamorous side yeah. of being a football. Oh chairman. yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, like today, I had, yeah, the match balls, home kit, away kit, uh, the manager's gears for on the on the touchline, um, and. All the stadium jackets, you know, all different things like that in the in, in my car. My little my little C3 look round. <laughs> well, good luck to us all. Cheers, thank Let's you very see much. What happens. Yep, right. What, what what's your next thing you gotta do now? Get a burger. <laughs> so just for you boys, Kieran Kevin Guy, it's the first whistle of the first game of Berry AFC. In your own time! Oh. 
So we were 2-1 down going into injury time. We win a penalty in the 91st minute. Big Tom Greaves puts the ball down, smashes it down the middle, 2-all. And then, in the 93rd minute, with the rain hammering down, I'm soaking wet, we're all on the edge of our seats, we get a corner. time very AFC three Steeton two two last minute goals we were two one down by big Tom Grease new shine new signing and uh, we've done it three two I'm joined by Marcel de Matas and he is on the very AFC board how you doing Marcel yeah fantastic um, what did you make of it yeah it's a brilliant game um, pummeled them for most of the game didn't take our chances left it to the last minute two in a minute you can't can't go wrong fantastic game now um we're sat in this stand right now. You've got uh, a pooper scooper thing in your hand. <laughs> You've got a high-vis jacket on and you're picking up bits of litter. This isn't quite the glamorous life that a football board member's supposed to have, right? Well, if you're in the EFL, not so much, but down at this level, yeah, I guess it's what you have to do. You have to put your hand in and, and help with all the uh, tasks around the ground on a match day. What's the, what's the future for AFC? Well, hopefully, you know, we, we continue as we've begun today. We continue to win throughout the season, uh, get promotion at the end of the year. Here's hoping. Here's hoping, mate. Right. Good luck with the rest of the letter pick. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, it's nice to have something upbeat, isn't it, Kieran, on the show? Yeah, and, and, and a happy end. What, what a happy ending as well. You know, we, we've both been to matches. 93rd minute, it, nothing beats that, does it? Yeah, can you, can you not say happy ending, Kieran? Because you make it sound sinister. <laughs> it's fine. No, I think this happy finish is sinister. Well, is it? Oh, maybe well, different. Well, well, that's well, not sinister. No, but different, it... different parts of South London, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, well, well done, uh, Berry AFC. Apologise, apologies, apologies to uh, Steeton fans who are probably fuming with us for being on Berry AFC side. Um, but it, yes, it is good to hear people. It's actually good to hear people at the football. And I, I know you've been going to uh, non-league games, Kieran. And a, a, a young friend of mine sent me a photograph from the game at Merston last night, and it's just really, really lovely to see people at football grounds and hopefully the government will see sense and let us back in sooner rather than later. Now don't forget, if you'd like to support the price of football, you can do so by visiting supporter.acast.com forward slash price of football, or you can just click the link in the ACAST app. A big thank you to everyone who has supported us so far, including and, and this is not the whole list I have to say, Kieran, producer guy has come up with this list. Many, many people have, but producer guys picked out one or two of you for supporting us and we'd like to thank all of you who have done uh, Mess um, Mess, which I'd love to know why it's just called Mess, but Mess says he's loved. I've loved this since it started football is a mad money pit but I do love it especially enjoying how the Baron rises above the Albion digs and just sticks to the facts well stick around Mess because he'll be rising above a big one shortly um, which is a phrase he's heard before <laughs> um Perlo Not Furlough, which, what a good name that is. Perlo That's Not excellent. Furlough, isn't it good? Perlo Not Furlough said, he sums, up, he sums up very nicely. It's all doom and gloom, but delivered in an uplifting manner. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> Stephen Rickaby, uh, hello, Stephen. Stephen Rickaby says, love the show. Keep up the fantastic work. As an expat in Atlanta, I'd love to hear an MLS special. They've really tapped into the culture and engaged the entire city with Atlanta United. We will do that MLS special that we promised one day, Kieran. And do you know what? It's a, it's a recurring theme from Americans and expats in America that 
um, MLS clubs do seem to know how to get their fan base going. They seem to really tap into what makes each city different, and I admire that. Um, Simo, uh, Simo, it turns out, Kieran is Irish. Uh, <laughs> Simo says, I keep recommending the show to people, but find it hard to convince them how incredible football finance actually is. Keep up the Twitter ranting, Kieran. It gets me through the days. From a fellow Irish Kieran and former Limerick FC fan, yeah, it's a very sad demise of Limerick FC. My friends, uh, the Rubber Bandits, are from Limerick. Uh, all I'll say is it's a lively old place, isn't it, Limerick? Oh, certainly. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's up there with Berlin, Limerick. Um, uh, Neil says, uh, Neil with two L's, says, thanks for the coverage of Scottish football. It's often done in jest on other shows, but it's genuine here. We really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you saying that, uh, Neil, with two L's, although I suspect that I've probably been involved in some of those other shows. Um, and also, can we say thank you uh, to Mike McCarthy, Ben with two N's, Tony Hay, and Patrick Agerly. I apologise if I've uh, mispronounced that, Patrick. Please let me know how I should pronounce it. Uh, I think Tony Hay, Kieran, may be another Brighton fan. Uh, speaking of which... Um, our final message of support comes from Dan, <clears throat> who accompanies it with a sort of moral maze type dilemma. Uh, Dan, <clears throat> Dan says, I'm looking for some help and you two gents are best placed to help me. I'm a Seagulls season ticket holder. Um, it's probably a helpline for that, Dan. Um, oh, no, hang on. That's not his problem. Turns out he's got another problem. My daughter has married a Palace season ticket holder. Good for her. She's punching up above her weight, isn't she? Um, how did I let that happen? He says, well, it's the, you know, it's the 21st century, Dan, really. She can do what she wants, essentially. Um, but he goes on to say they've had a baby girl and the unwritten rule of not dressing her up in club colours has been broken and she looks very unhappy wearing blue and red. How should I deal with this? Well, what I would say, um, Dan, is that her mum is a Brighton fan and it's a well-known fact that babies don't like the smell of organic honey and quinoa. Right, so I suspect that's why the baby's looking unhappy. So what I suggest is you keep dressing her in palace clothes, but you put her in Brighton nappies. So that way she, that way she looks cool and she passes a moral judgment six times a day. That's my suggestion. <laughs> um, I hope that I hope that helps, Dan. Um, if you have any questions for us, then please get in touch with um, questions at priceoffootball.com. We'll be back on Monday with our questions pod. Um, it's, it amazes me, Kieran, how many questions we get. And I'm sorry we can't get to all of them in the week that you send them. But um, we will do eventually. And we do thank you for it. Uh, and I pass you over to Kieran, the Brighton fan, for his uh, usual goodbye. Well, once again, folks, thanks for your uh, support um, and, and the kind words. Um, but uh, if, if you could keep up the... Uh, if you could keep up the reviews and uh, on, on Apple Podcast app, we, we, we don't understand how it works. Yeah. Uh, I, I get this message from from uh, from the governor, uh, and uh, it, it makes it makes a difference, and it makes him feel good, you know. Because apart from counting his money, that's all he does when it, when it comes to this podcast: reads the reviews and smiles. Uh, and, and other than that, uh, look after yourselves. And uh, you know, some of these stories have come from a variety of sources, including. The Financial Times. So just remember that ft.com forward slash price of football. Good work. And is there a two word message you'd like to give to our listeners? Stay safe, kids. The price of football.
that provides some photo ball.